Greetings again in the wonderful and matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's good to be with you again. One of the dangers that I have learned about live streaming, especially when you are preaching a sermon without any people present and you're doing your best to be timely and and effective as, as God can help you to be, one of the difficulties of that is I do not have the feedback of congregants. I don't have the feedback of people like you. You're watching this in whatever way you want to watch this, um, but I, I can't see you. I, I, I can't see if, if you're getting it, if you're responding to it, or if you're asleep. And so I have learned in the pastorate that there's kind of a, a switch that indicates that it's being turned and it's time to wrap things up, and that's when a significant amount of my congregants are asleep, I realize it's time perhaps to call it quits. So the first message that I preached was a little long, I recognize that, but that's because I don't have the feedback of those who have ventured into the land of Nod. So I will do my best to be timely so that as you are watching these messages, you do not remember me for all of the wrong reasons. So I'll do my best with that uh, this evening. So if you'll, if you'll join with me, we'll enter into our time of looking at God's Word through prayer. Father, we come to you again in the wonderful name of your Son, Jesus. We know that this matters to you. We know that anytime your Word goes out, it is like that bread that is cast upon the waters, and you've promised that it will not come back without a return. It will not come back empty. And so we are praying that as your word is shared, yes, in a very different way, and yes, in a very different setting and context, nonetheless, we pray that your word, as it goes out by your power and by your spirit in the mysterious way of anointing, that you will minister to our hearts in the way that you desire, with effectiveness, with great victory, and with great power that only you can provide. We pray for your anointing, not only of your messenger, but also of our ears to hear. Prepare us for your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my favorite places to look in Scripture is not only the gospel according to John, but 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and even the Revelation, which really is just a sermon that is preached by an inspired and wonderfully illuminated uh, John the Apostle, John the Disciple. We're going to look tonight at 1 John chapter 1, and we're, we'll lift especially one verse out of that passage, verse 7, but we're going to read all 10 verses of 1 John chapter 1. So turn with me, if you will. Again, I'm reading from the New American Standard Version, and let me uh, read these words to you, and may God bless them to our hearts. What was from the beginning, what we have heard what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, and the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, 
which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you, that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. Back to verse 7, which is the completion of a thought. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. What a great text. What a marvelous text. We live in an interesting day, especially when we consider health care and health costs, Insurance companies, health insurance companies, these providers, or whether you choose a government plan or whatever plan you might be on, whether or not you have a prescription card or whether or not you have to pay full price for those often very expensive uh, prescriptions. One of the things that we probably have noticed being advertised for our benefit is GoodRx, GoodRx. We know that RX stands for, an abbreviation for, um, prescription and that which is designed to help us. A medication that has been indeed prescribed to come to our aid, whether, whether it's something to, to clear an infection or something that is to aid the function of our heart or whatever it might be, we are thankful, especially when we go to the cash register and when we have to pay for it, to have good RX. Well, what I want to share with you tonight is not just good RX. I want to share with you God RX. God's prescription. God's RX for you and for me. It's found in this passage. And let's just understand the context for a few moments. John the Apostle is the last man standing. When he's coming to the end of the first century, John is the last of the original 12. John is carrying the burden of the church. He's carrying the burden of the most holy faith that centers on Christ. John is experiencing what we experience in, in our world today as well. Nothing really is new. Nothing has changed. There's nothing new under the sun. We, we know that there are substitutes. We know that there are counterfeits. We know that there are false teachings 
that abound in our day. Well, they did early on in John's day too. So the faith that was early and was robust and was fledgling and powerful and having a far reach and the missionary zeal that accompanied uh, all of that was soon under real attack. So much so that false teaching was so prominent that a guy like John was concerned that the faith might be diluted or completely, completely reduced to nothing. That the next generation simply would not have it. That somehow the responsibility that had been entrusted to the followers of Jesus might be incomplete and that that responsibility might not be maintained. And John was burdened about that. So as we read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, we need to understand that this is the burning heart of a burdened pastor. This is what he wants to get across to us. This is really the hub of the gospel. These are essential truths. This is Christianity 101. And it's to the health of the church, to the health of each individual and each follower of Jesus Christ, this is God Rx. This is what God wants to do, God's prescription for us. It shouldn't take us very long to realize that God's not in the business of of health, wealth, and prosperity, and that's not His objective for us. How sad, and 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 such a such a sidetrack, and such a a sad uh, route to take that the gospel of Jesus Christ be so reduced to the notion that all that God makes possible for us is to increase our bank account, have a better job, and to have good health. How sad that the main issue, our main diagnosis, our greatest need often goes untouched in modern evangelical preaching. How sad that that is. What we need to rejoice about and what we need to be thankful for is God has a prescription for that which is the plague. It is, it's a greater plague than COVID-19. It's a greater plague than the bubonic plague. It's a greater plague than the world has ever known in any kind of physical way, in any kind of physical arena. It is the greatest plague the world has ever known because it affects every human being who ever comes into this world. It's our condition. It's our condition of sinfulness. We're not guilty for it, but we are possessors of it. It has come down to us, sadly, because of a fallen racial flow. It has come to us because of the headwaters of our race having disobeyed God. We are plagued with that image. We are affected by that reality. And every one of us are born into this world with a heart that is bent away from God, a heart that is bent toward disobedience to God, and a heart that has a gravitational pull to it to disobey God, not heed His voice, and not walk after His truth. So it's a condition that we all have. But I just want to say this from the outset, that God has a prescription for our condition. This is God Rx here, and God, God prescribes well. In fact, He prescribes very well. 
God does all things well. So from the outset, let's just lodge that uh, to kind of go along with each point and each thought that we have indeed access to through the blood of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, and through the avenue of faith, we have access to God our X. And I want to encourage you with that from the very beginning. There is indeed a divine, supernatural prescription for the problem, for the plague, for the predicament of sin. May God be praised and may we thank Him for it. This letter is obviously to bring people in line. It's also to encourage so that they do not miss that these first century New Testament believers would not miss out on all that God had available to them to cure them. Yes, I said that, to cure them of their sin problem. C.S. Lewis made the point that one of the things that we needed and one of the things that God intended to do was to, was to deal with a bad infection with a good infection. The, the, the prescription, the counter medicine, the counteractive work of God in Christ is God's Rx for us. Three points that I want us to note. Every, every good homiletical message has three points. So here are the three points that I want to mention to you, and they just follow this uh, verse that we looked at. Verse 7 again, but if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Let's just take the flow as it is inspired. I want us to be aware of the fact that right out of the beginning of this verse, right at the beginning of this verse, we have two important words, but, which is a contrasting conjunction, which means that something is being declared that is uh, the opposite of that which has come before it. So the idea that there can be somehow fellowship, fellowship, koinonia, fellowship with light and darkness, that somehow uh, that idea that cannot be consistent with lie and truth. You can't bring a lie and a truth together. You can't bring light and darkness together. One will win out over the other. Because of that, we have this contrasting conjunction, the word but. Second, we have the powerful, potent, theological word if. If. Mark that. Highlight that if you haven't already. But, it's a contrasting conjunction. Different than what has come, we cannot have fellowship with un unholiness and unrighteousness. Holiness and righteousness and, and unholiness and unrighteousness cannot come together. They can't merge. Light can't merge with darkness. Lies can't merge with truth. Sinning cannot be compatible with living for Jesus. These are incompatibilities. They cannot be maintained. They are impossible to be maintained. But, there's that contrasting conjunction. Second powerful word, if, it means this, there's choice. There's choice involved. If is always there to remind us that there are at least two options. We can go one direction or we can go the other. If, there's choice involved. 
So I want us to be aware of the fact that we have to be engaged in this. Our wills have to side positively with God's will. What does he say? If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light. I want us to to mark this down first of all. Here is a context that is wonderfully, wonderfully positive. God doesn't ask us to somehow become some spiritual Houdini. God does not ask us to do the impossible. I like the phrasing of this. God doesn't expect us to run a marathon at record-breaking peace. God, play at pace. He does not ask us to be the setter of a new record in the 1,500 meters. God does not ask us to break the 100-meter dash. God does not ask us to do that. He does not ask us to do what we cannot do. So what does He ask us to do? Walk in the light. What a wonderful context to get a hold of. He just says to us, as you receive, move. Light, by the way, is always moving. We know that. Light is always moving. It's not static. It's moving. It's a miraculous thing when we consider light, how it's traveled to our earth from the sun, how long it takes to get from the sun, the light that we are encountering, how long it's taken to travel the distance from the sun to the earth. Light is always moving. Mark that down. Make sure that we recognize that. No wonder the inspired writer John said, walk in it, walk in it. In other words, keep pace with it. Walk in the light. What is light? Well, we know that it's akin to God because God is declared to be a God of light. So if it's What God is like, if this is where God lives, if this is something that comes also from God, what is this? Well, light surely is truth. Light is God's truth. Light is that which comes from God to wake us up, to illuminate our setting, to keep us from error, to safeguard us, to protect us, to make the way clear. That's God's light. Light reveals to us a path to God and a path with God that is honoring to Him, safe for us, right for us, keeps us out of trouble, and keeps us from disaster. So light is all that God brings to us to wake us up, alert us to our need, give us the way to go, give us direction, and to help us know where to go, where to turn, to whom we look. Light. So we are called just simply to move as the light hits us, as the light come to us, comes to us, as truth is revealed to us, when it dawns on us, when the Holy Spirit brings light, moral, spiritual awakening to us, when He says, don't do that, or when He says, do this, when He says, I want you to obey me here, I want you to trust me here, I don't want you to go down that wrong path, I don't want you to listen to that voice, these are moments of light. When we get the light... Keep pace with the light. Walk in the light. This means we take the path God designs. We go in God's direction. We go toward Him, not away from Him. 
Dennis Kinlaw preached a great message one time that I had the privilege of hearing. I won't give you that whole message. I don't have time. It would be better than mine, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take his message. I'll just say this. He said, if we walk away from God, if we, have, if we turn and walk away from God, we turn and walk away from everything that comes with God. And one of those things that comes with God is light. So if we turn away from God, who is light, that beacon that draws us, if we turn away from the God who is light, he said, all becomes darkness and the shadows lengthen. It's a powerful picture. So we are called to walk in the light. As the light comes to us, we are to be drawn like a beacon, like a honing device. We are, we are called to follow the light that pulls us in. It draws us to a destination that is right and that is safe. We are to move away from sin. We're to move out of sin. We are to leave sin behind. We are to turn a 180 in, in repentance and move in the direction of God. That's walking in the light. So if we walk in the light, if we walk in the light, and, and what does that speak to us? As He Himself is in the light. So again, similar to what we looked at before, that we ought to love holiness because God is holy. We ought to crave and desire light, not seek the darkness, not seek moral darkness, not seek to hide from God's view so that we can practice things unbecoming to Him. No, we ought to seek the light. Why? Because He is light. So this is one of those passages that gives us a picture of the wonderful camaraderie we can have with God. What we can share with God is we can walk in this context. We can have this same context. God is light. We are able to walk in that light. He equips us to do that. What's one of the byproducts then of walking in this light? We have fellowship one with another. So not only do we have this context that is encouraged for us, this God RX way to go, walk in the light as He Himself is in the light. If we do that, what do we have as an immediate byproduct? We have a wonderful offer of a new company. We have a wonderful gift of a new community. We have a wonderful, wonderful gift of a new partnership and a new fellowship that we never had before. Let's take a look just a little bit at what that means. When we're brought into the body of Christ, when we are born into the body of Christ, one of the first evidences of that, even if we are a little bit nervous about what all it might mean, especially if it's unfamiliar to us, one of the realities that soon becomes what we seek the most, enjoy the most, and we look for the most is a new company of people who love us, they care for us, they pray for us, they encourage us, they give us heads up, they give us good, wise counsel, they help us along the way of our newfound faith. All of that is part of the gift of God to give us a new community to belong to. I, 
I think one of the things that's so difficult for me as a pastor right now is the impact of this virus and the impact of all of the mandates and the impact of what, what this has done to us in our sense and understanding and appreciation of fellowship. It has become very, very difficult to really feel like the church. And I know that one of the, one of the realities and one of the outcomes of not being able to have Camp Psyker as we are accustomed is the fact that you're not going to be in your cabin, you're not going to be next to your neighbors, you're not, going to, you're not going to be going down to the same snack place to get a bite after service, you're not going to be having those conversations on the grounds where a lot of life's busyness is left behind at least for a while. You're not going to have that. And that's really, in many, resp- in many respects, irreplaceable. We can try through means like these to have this kind of a connection, but the fact is the connection is not as strong as the real sense of face-to-face community. So one of the byproducts of this new context, one of the byproducts of this wonderful change in in, in condition is a wonderful new community. Oh, how we ought to cherish God's community how we ought to cherish the people of God, the church of Jesus Christ, the fellowship that we have, iron sharpening iron, the encouragement of one who says, I'll pray for you, the fact that they will encourage us as much as we see the day approaching. To understand that and to experience that is a marvelous gift. Community, community. We're never bored in the church. I've lived all my life in the church. Yeah, I slept through some services. That's even with my dad as the thundering preacher that he was. I slept through plenty of services. So in some respects, I might have been bored at that time, but when I became an adult, I've never, ever, ever been bored with the church. Warts and all, issues and all. I love the church. I'm a product of the church. I'm a product of caring souls. I'm a product of the saints that have prayed for me. I'm a product of a people. I'm a product of a people who were identified by a bloodline, and the bloodline is that of Jesus Christ Himself. So I just want to remind us, one of the greatest benefits of a change in our heart's condition is a newfound community. We should never, ever take it for granted. I would just say this, come all that hell can throw at us, Come all that the spirit of Antichrist can hurl at us. The church of Jesus Christ will stand. And the church of Jesus Christ will be victorious in the end. We are a people. We are a community of God's making and choosing. Last, I want us also to see this marvelous, marvelous promise. If we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. Yes, cure. Let's look at this. God's Rx. What does God Rx promise for us? Well, not only a wonderful new context and a condition of heart and a community of believers, and a wonderful, wonderful company of people to be a part of, and also fellowship with Himself. 
but a cure for the problem that we came to Him, that was presented to Him, that He perfectly diagnoses a perfect cure to deal with our sin condition. My. This is not just forgiveness of sins. I want us to note that. That's a part of this text, but it goes beyond forgiveness. There's a sense in which we ought to be thankful that the working of Jesus goes beyond forgiveness. Forgiveness is wonderful. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. But how much more important to have the infection, the condition cured. The blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of His Son, the blood of His Son cleanses us. Not partially, not to a point, up to a point, and then leaves some kind of a remnant and leaves a little pocket that bothers us and plagues us, leaves a little bit of the infection active and alive. No, cleanses us from all. Note that, mark that, highlight that, all sin. Either God's Word is true or it's not. And John says, please understand, believers, there is a curative, there is There is a cleansing. There is a working of divine grace that cleanses from all sin. Sin here in that sense of being singular deals with that heart attitude that is against God. That animus against God with which we were born. We inherited it. We didn't cause it but we inherited it. But once we become aware of its presence, once we become aware of its plight, we're responsible to address it with the grace God affords. might not be our fault, but it's our fault if, if we let it stay. It's our fault if we let it go uncured, knowing that there is indeed a cure. This is also a present tense word. It means that the the cleansing is ever going, ever keeping us clean. And boy, in a world like ours today, I'm glad for an ever-cleansing blood. I'm thankful for that which is present tense. I'm glad for that which ever meets the pressures of the day. I'm thankful that in a world that could just collect on us, almost like barnacles on a ship and be detrimental to us. I'm thankful that there is an ever-cleansing presence in the blood of Jesus Christ. Aren't we thankful for a spiritual sanitizer that works all the time? Never fails, never ceases, never stops. What is this cleansing agent? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? What can do that work that we most desperately need? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This reality becomes the very foundation for purity, wholeness, spiritual well-being, bringing us to a place of health in our spirit. Oh, I'm thankful for God's cure. I'm thankful for God Rx. So I want to encourage you in closing, note this, you don't have to have a special card. You don't have to go looking for the right kind of health insurance. 
we already have God's message to us. We have God's call to us. We have God's conditions already met that heal us. Heal us. The blood of Jesus, His Son. All of that has already been provided. All of that has already been offered. There's a sense in which we just need to come up to the spiritual counter and claim God's Rx for our problem. We find that. We find it. We find the cure. We find the cure. In verse 7, if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all unrighteousness, all sin, all sin. Claim the cure. Claim the cure by faith and trust God to deliver on His promise. Father, thank You for, again, another truth revealed to us. Thank You for Your purpose available to all of us. May we not settle for any other condition of heart, state of being, than what your prescriptive work and atoning work in Christ can offer. Help us, O oh God, to take you at your word. In Jesus' name, amen.